Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Monday, December 19th. With us today is Philip Bump, Washington Post national columnist focused largely on the numbers behind politics. And here is a new number behind the politics of Twitter. Elon Musk took a poll of whatever Twitter users wanted to participate last night, asking if he should step down as CEO. Well, 57%, or around 10 million people, said yes. It's just the latest bit of chaos surrounding the 50-day reign of Musk at the social media giant, right? He also this weekend banned and reinstated most but not all of a group of journalists he said was putting him at risk of assassination, and he has now banned people who tweet from linking to any other social media site, including Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon, but also lesser used ones. Philip has been writing about all this, including in a two-part article called Twitter Polls Aren't Real Life. (laughs) So, Philip, what happened with this poll about whether he should step down? So Elon Musk, you know, sort of in keeping with the idea that that the tech industry will eat its own dog food, he keeps putting out these polls to people asking the way in on various decisions he's making. His most recent one was, I think, everyone by surprise, except for potentially Tesla investors who've seen their stock prices plummet in recent weeks. Uh, but he basically he just asked users to weigh in on whether or not he should still be CEO. This is not representative of anything. It's not scientific. Uh, it really is, as I think you very aptly put it, that it is based on whoever wants to vote on it. Uh, but he said he'd stand by it. And the, the the outcome was that about 57% said he ought not to be the CEO of Twitter. So we'll see if he actually stands by this one, too. Um, I, I did see... Let's see. Um, Did this come before or after the poll? I saw some reporting that says he insisted there is no successor in the wings. Quote, no one wants the job who can actually keep Twitter alive, he tweeted. There is no successor. So did that come before or after the poll? Do you know? I I believe it came before the poll. Uh, Uh, Over the course of yesterday, so you you mentioned this thing about Twitter banning links to other social media companies, and which they actually then fully rescinded. They deleted their tweets about it and actually deleted the policy from their website. I think one of the things that's been revealed uh, as Elon Musk has been in charge of Twitter is, yes, he has a very clear vision for what he wants Twitter to be, but he has a very deep misunderstanding of the way the internet works. And so one of the the central tenets of the internet for a long time has been the more you link people out to stuff, the more you provide them information elsewhere, the more they're going to come back to you as a source. And that's, you know, sort of a foundational, I mean, it's a fundamental part of journalism as well. You know, we tell stories about other things and people come back to us as, as, a, as a trustworthy source. But it's very much the case with, with the Internet and the way that linking works and the way you push people out and then they come back to you as, as a trustworthy source of information. And he just, he never got that. He doesn't get a lot of things about Twitter. He doesn't get what the point of the verification was at the outset. Uh, and I think that he has a vision for what he wants Twitter to be that is a very uh, solipsistic and small view, a very 
a, a very small portion of what social media broadly and Twitter specifically uh, is good at. Um, and I think that he may misunderstand who can do a good job with Twitter in part because he understand, misunderstands Twitter itself. So this poll about whether he should step down, that followed other polls by Musk, right? Yeah, yeah. He's done a whole bunch of them. He did first thing and he sort of started it with these very odd polls about, you know, whether or not there should be a particular peace plan in Ukraine, as though that's something <laughs> useful for him or Twitter users to weigh in on. Uh, but over the course of his tenure, for example, he put, you know, should Donald Trump be reinstated uh, to to the test? Uh, and people chose to that Donald Trump should be reinstated. So Donald Trump is reinstated. Even after this weekend, when he, he shut down the accounts of a number of journalists, he offered that up as a poll. Should those people be reinstated immediately or after a week? Uh, he actually had two polls on that, one of which went against his view. And so he decided there had been too many options. And so he had fewer options in the second poll. And that one went against him, too. And so all those people were reinstated immediately. Uh, to his credit, at the very least, when he pledges uh, to stand by the results of the Twitter poll, he actually does so. But yeah, this is this seems to be the way in which he is, uh, one might charitably say, engaging the community and building engagement on Twitter. Uh, one might also less charitably say that it's a way for him to sort of deflect criticism. Hey, it wasn't my idea to reinstate Trump. It was the user's idea. Yeah. It's like talk radio. I always say when we ask people's opinions, it's an informal, unofficial, thoroughly unscientific poll because it's obviously just those people who happen to be listening and happen to feel strongly enough to call in. There's right. nothing scientific about that. Uh, so is he stepping down as CEO? To be determined. I, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised for a few reasons. The first is I don't think he's enjoying being Twitter CEO. I think he thought it was going to be something very different. I think he thought he had a grasp on Twitter that he very clearly doesn't and has sort of embarrassed himself a little bit. I think Tesla owners are extremely frustrated. The stock price of Tesla is really cratered. Uh, I shouldn't say cratered. That implies it's like gone to zero, but it's, it's gone down a lot uh, since he has been focusing so much attention on Twitter. I think Tesla investors stock was up uh, before markets opened on uh, news that this poll had gone against him. Uh, and I think that fundamentally, People should remember he didn't really want to buy Twitter. He, he put in as a bid to buy it and then he fought it very hard and almost went to court uh, to try and not have to actually buy Twitter. And then the, he essentially, because he'd made this contractual obligation, he then had to buy it. So I think that he also is having some buyer's remorse and I, I think is happy mm. to sort of step away and, right. and let something else happen. So he could still own Twitter, but not be in charge day to day as CEO. Exactly, which is obviously the, a format that works in a lot of other companies. Yeah. Philip, what happened with the suspension of journalists? Remind us of the timeline here. Yeah, this is part of the challenge here is that it's sort of hard to take Elon Musk at, at face value. And these were these were suspensions made by Twitter. And so it's also hard to necessarily give Musk full agency over these decisions, although one has to assume that it happened. So there are a number of uh, people may remember last week uh, that Elon, I almost said Donald Trump because the two are so similar. Elon Musk uh, spoke out against this account called Elon Jet, which essentially had been tracking his private jet and showing where it was landing. And this, these sorts of accounts are common for very wealthy people and can often be informative, like, oh, so-and-so went to X, you know, I wonder what they're doing there, right? Um, so Elon got very mad about it. There was some guy who had, uh, he said, accosted him on the ground in Los Angeles. Musk essentially blamed the Elon Jet account for tipping off where Musk was at any point in time. I mean, obviously, the knowing the location of a jet doesn't do most people any good because it's usually flying in the air where it's sort of hard to get to. Uh, but he decided. But they know where it's going to land. 
Yeah, but I mean, it lands at an airport, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, as I, as I joked on Twitter, airports are not notorious for being easy to find people at. But anyway, so uh, yeah, I mean, so this was his argument. And so a lot of people then were like, well, this is goofy. This information's out there elsewhere. You can find it at X site, for example. A lot of reporters did that. Mm-hmm. And some reporters who did things like say, okay, well, this doesn't make sense because you can find it elsewhere. He decided they too were sharing this real-time information, uh, which he had decided was verboten. Uh, and so their accounts were shut down. Then there were other questions about, you know, Taylor Lawrence and the Washington Post. Her account was shut down briefly this weekend, uh, purportedly because she was sharing links to other social media networks. I mean, it's just it, it. The part of the challenge is it was all sort of ad hoc and for violations of rules that had been implemented some cases after the purported violations had occurred. Uh, but it seemed very clear. It seemed clear from the outset. One of the reasons Elon Musk wanted to buy Twitter was to sort of uh, implement a way of constraining the media. The media is much more into Twitter than our most uh, cultural groups, if you will, in the United States. And so it seemed very clear that Musk, who's always fumed at negative coverage, uh, saw ownership of Twitter as a way to sort of lock down journalists. And this seemed to be manifestation of that. Uh, but it was one also that was sort of very shoddily put together and didn't really make sense and has since largely been rescinded. Um, with with this airline thing, airplane mm-hmm. thing, is Musk in his chaotic way, perhaps, setting a positive standard, no posting of things that identify anybody's whereabouts or home addresses. Maybe this is the kind of limits we should want on free speech on Twitter. The original concern, of course, was that Musk would let dangerous, hostile stuff go through when he said he was a free speech absolutist and that he was inviting Trump back, who was suspended specifically for inciting violence. So maybe in his chaotic, self-interested way, he's setting a positive standard here, which is better than the one he came in articulating. Um, I, I think that's overly generous uh, for a few reasons. The first is that there are already bans at Twitter for doxing. If someone had posted my home address, for example, on Twitter, I could ask that it be removed as uh, as a violation of Twitter standards uh, for sharing information. The second is that particularly as articulated, and there may be a way to better articulate it, but particularly as articulated, it was way too broad. So, for example, uh, the, the sort of example people were using, Lionel Messi was at the the uh, soccer stadium in Qatar yesterday, right? Like, I noticed that's, that. Right. That's that's real real time doxing where he is, but doesn't do anything. Right. You know, or, for example, uh, Liz Cheney is going to be at the House Conference Room X this afternoon as part of this hearing. Like that would violate the standard that existed this weekend. No, because but that's a public together. person in a public place, as is Messi. That's different. But this is but this it's not different based on the standard that was drawn out by Twitter this weekend. That's my point uh-huh. is it was very loosely are. Uh, articulated and that a more specific standard already existed at Twitter. So yes, I, I I take your point and I think Musk certainly sees it that way. But if you're going to do that, you have to then do that in a way that is articulated so that you avoid the sorts of examples that I just made, because obviously those should be allowed. Your colleague who you mentioned, Taylor Lawrence, mm-hmm. who was suspended this weekend and was still suspended after most of the other journalists were reinstated. Uh, And you just said that was for linking to other social media sites. Is that policy now rescinded? You can again link to other social media sites on Twitter and Taylor Lawrence is reinstated or isn't reinstated? No, she is reinstated. And she later found out that that was why her account had been locked down. Um, And this was sort of revealing. If you go back and look at Elon Musk's conversations, he does a lot of replying to people on Twitter and people made clear to him, like, 
this is useful to me. I need to be able to link to other things because X and it makes Twitter better. And you can see him sort of be like, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that in the mentions. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think, then led to the reversal of the policy. Here's another journalist who I read has not been reinstated. You can tell me because I know this keeps changing hour by hour. That's part of the chaos here. So you can still tell me if it's still the case. But it's Lynette Lopez, columnist for Business Insider. Here she is giving her take on why she thinks she has been suspended from Twitter on MSNBC. I posted legal documents that are years and years and years old. I've been covering Elon since 2018. I started I started investigating in 2018 and I stopped deeply investigating his activity at Tesla in 2021. These documents are related to a lawsuit that started in 2019 when Elon sued my source. These documents point to Elon stalking my source, hacking my source, and also doxing a prominent critic at the time. So the reason why I feel I was suspended is because Elon didn't want people to see him as a hypocrite. Now, I'm still seeing Lynette Lopez suspended. What can you add to her take on why do you know the Lynette Lopez story? I do, but I can't speak to the suspension cause. And the reason that that's part of the challenge here, right, is that one of the criticisms of Twitter that I think was valid was that for a long time it would suspend people and not necessarily be opaque about why it was doing so. Uh, Musk had sort of promised to change that policy and make it so it's more obvious why suspensions were occurring, but he, he hasn't done so. And so we have these sort of like, what is it exactly that triggered this sort of suspension? Maybe there's a totally valid reason for it, right? Maybe Lynette Lopez had done something that most people would be like, oh, okay, well, I can see why that doesn't make sense. But A, because there isn't any transparency about it, and B, because Elon Musk's Twitter has not earned the benefit of the doubt in regard to that. Uh, I don't think it's fair to assume that it is valid. And as such, it would make more sense for Twitter as an institution to be very clear about why it's doing it. It doesn't have to. It's a private company. It's owned by Elon Musk. He can shut me down right this instant for no reason at all. He doesn't like my haircut. But, you know, without that, we're left to sort of guess. A couple of uh, early responses in our Twitter poll as to whether we should keep using Twitter as our only real-time comments and question source other than the phones, uh, whether we should keep it but add another option, or whether we should um, uh, uh, stop using Twitter because of the objections to Elon Musk. Um, people so far overwhelmingly in this very unscientific poll want us to stay on Twitter one way or another. Listener writes, I vote you keep using Twitter the way you've been. Another one says, we need to relax. We need to keep using it. Never react to invective. Another says, please add another option outside Twitter to comment on The Brian Lehrer Show. It's uncomfortable to use a platform I no longer support, but eliminating Twitter would be a political statement, um, and that listener doesn't want that. Um, Somebody else Keep Twitter. Another person says, and this is interesting, keep using, please continue using Twitter until there is a comparable alternative, um, meaning they want it out there um, sort of on the front lines of where a lot of people are. And so far, the poll has 160 votes, 15% say stop, 53% say add an additional option, and 31% say status quo. So, 
I repeat, that's an informal, unofficial, thoroughly unscientific poll of Brian Lehrer Show listeners who are using Twitter at this moment. Um, and this is just advisory, but there are those results. Last question, Philip. I saw a theory that all of this chaos is just to get people talking about it so more people go look at Twitter and Twitter will make more money. Do you think that's what this has been all about, these 50 days of Musk ownership? I think that I think I almost didn't think I think that Elon Musk probably thinks to some extent that he can justify the way that he's been treating Twitter and acting on Twitter through that lens. I think he thinks, well, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I'm saying these controversial things, but I, I think that's for the benefit of Twitter because look how much user engagement is up. And he's actually tweeted a little charts about showing how the number of daily active users has increased. Uh, but I think he's done enormous damage to his own personal reputation. I think that he has very clearly taken sides in, in America's culture war in a way that that is sort of odd for a guy who sells you know electric cars that have been very appealing mm-hmm. to, to the left. Uh, and I think that he has made very clear that he has a vision of what Twitter ought to be that is not necessarily in keeping with what Twitter has long been and not necessarily one that uh, I think most outside observers would say is the way that Twitter is going to be financially successful. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that he may he may rationalize what he's doing by that, but I think that this is very much rooted in his sense of what he wants Twitter to be and how he thinks he can. I mean, look, you don't tweet about the woke mind virus as being something that needs to be uprooted in the United States of America simply to drive engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can you can go so much short of that if your only goal is to get more people using the service. Yeah, I heard about COVID and RSV, but I, I missed that uh, that virus. Well, that's because Philip- we're all infected with it. That's the problem. Philip Bump, Washington Post, national columnist, focused largely on the numbers behind politics. Thank you so much for this two-parter today. We really appreciate it. Of course. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.